What's going on, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of B-Shape Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you in the early morning hours of Saturday, September 17th, 2022. And tonight, that's right, we're breaking down a Cardinals win and what a win it was as we got some history at Bush Stadium in a couple of different ways as the Cardinals defeated the Reds on Friday night 6-5 to in come-from-behind fashion. Oh, my goodness. What a weekend we're in store for in St. Louis, Missouri. Albert Pujols hits number 698 on Friday to pull within two. He's two home runs away from the historic mark of 700. Only three players in the history of Major League Baseball have done it so far. And I think we'll be singing a different tune by the end of the weekend. I do believe that by the end of the game on Sunday, Albert Pujols will have done it. will have gotten to 700 I have said this since last week, if you're listening to the show, I think it was last Saturday against Pittsburgh that he hit number 697. And once I saw that, I said three to go, a week of baseball at Bush Stadium. He's got to get it done because if not, it's probably going to happen on the road. And I think he's going to get it done. I believe that Albert's got two more in him and they're going to flock to Bush Stadium. It's going to be packed on Saturday. Doubleheader against the Reds. Mike Miner, left-handed pitcher for the Reds, expected to be the starter in game one. So that means Albert Pujols expected to be in the lineup for game one for the Cardinals. That matchup against the lefty, that's what he's seeking. It's a definite possibility to hit one there. And then you never know. There's two games going on on Saturday. So he gets enough at-bats in that first game. Maybe he hits two. He could pinch hit in the night game. He could start at the H in the night game. Like, Nothing would necessarily surprise me. I think Albert's going to hit a home run on Saturday, and then he probably hits another one on Sunday. But I don't know how he gets there. I just have a feeling that he's going to. After what he did on Friday night, it's just amazing. We're basking in the glow right now, and I actually was not down at Bush Stadium today. I'll be there tomorrow. But today I was sitting on my couch watching Albert Pujols hit number 698 with my son, two weeks old. And he actually had his face toward the television screen, and I snapped a picture. I tweeted it out right after the home run happened. I was just thinking, like, this would be, what a crazy moment this would be. I, Albert Pujols starting his career in 2001. I was a seven-year-old kid, maybe even six years old. Yeah, six years old before turning seven in July. And young Cardinals fan. You know, I grew up in St. Louis. So to see all that and then to see where my life is and where things are for the St. Louis Cardinals in 2022. Uh, That was a cool moment for me tonight. And uh, yeah, never would have thought I've got a son watching Albert Pujols hit home runs for the St. Louis Cardinals, but that's where we are in 2022. So craziness, but that wasn't the only craziness that took place in the Cardinals six to five win on Friday. I mentioned it. It's a come from behind victory after Jack Flaherty started the game. We'll talk about his outing, what we thought of it wasn't perfect. Certainly some, takeaways that uh areas that he could improve upon but we'll get into what he did and and why the Cardinals were a little bit behind when they got into those latter stages of the game to try and mount the comeback and how they pulled it off with some contributions of course from Albert the big swing the two-run shot coming in the sixth inning to tie the game at four and they needed a little bit more of a boost even after that to get over the hump as the bullpen coughs it up a little bit there in the seventh inning but They get it done, and Paul Goldschmidt gets it done. Maybe the other person in the lineup that I have been thinking, can this guy get it going again? Because 
as Goldie goes, the Cardinals go. It's pretty well been the case this season. He comes up with a couple of big swings tonight. Nolan Arenado does as well. So you're talking about the meat of the batting order for the Cardinals coming through for a team that is trying to put a lockdown on that National League Central division. You thought this weekend, well, maybe the Brewers playing the Yankees, you might get away with something and have New York do a little bit of your dirty work for you. That was not the case, at least on Friday, with the Brewers coming from behind themselves to beat the Yankees. It was kind of a back-and-forth battle between the Brewers and the New York Yankees in Milwaukee. Yankees were up 5 nothing after the top of the second inning. The Brewers did their work throughout the remainder of the game to win it 7-6. to So Cardinals don't gain any ground on the Brewers. That magic number, though, does drop by one, and they're whittling it down slowly but surely. Cardinals fans can feel pretty good about it, but again, they can feel good because of the way tonight went. They're coming up with these big wins when things look a little bit bleak. They're still finding ways to get it done, and they're doing it in such dramatic fashion. you got to love 2022 Cardinals baseball. I tweeted it out earlier tonight that if you want to look for it, there's some team of destiny kookiness going on with these St. Louis Cardinals, and then I corrected myself and said, you know what, you really don't even have to look for it. It's sort of like hitting you over the head with a shovel at this point. You can't ignore the vibes that are going on with this team. Even when there are things to be concerned about and a little bit aware of in terms of the deficiencies on a nightly basis that you do see pop up from time to time, there also is just the vibe of this team is going to find a way to get it done. I know the story might be different when you get into the playoffs because, well, things get a lot more difficult at that point. But for right now, it's a lot of fun to be along for the ride with these Cardinals and you could stay along for the ride on B-Shape Daily. Quick reminder before we really dive into the content tonight, would love to have you subscribe to be on board throughout the remainder of the season and uh, as we get into October with B-Shape Daily. So subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review as well. Tell everybody what you think of the show. Would really appreciate that. And if you'd like to support the show, I would say it's getting a little bit late in the month to do it, but patreon.com slash bshafer12 is a great way to support financially B-Shape Daily. But Patreon does charge you when you start. It's $5 a month. And so I would say probably just wait until the end of September and uh, I should say the beginning of October so that way you don't get double charged if you were just wanting to contribute that $5 a month. Hey, I would appreciate it. But regardless, we're diving in here to another episode of the show as we got some history tonight at Bush Stadium with Albert Pujols hitting number 698. It comes in the sixth inning on the heels of a situation where the Cardinals were down in the game 4-1 to one following the outing by Jack Flaherty. Let's cover the pitching angle first because we'll have more fun talking about the angle of Albert Pujols. And there is another pitching angle that involves a history-making performance by Ryan Helsley that we'll get into before the close of the show. But let's start with Jack Flaherty because when we're looking ahead to October, we're wondering what's that playoff rotation going to look like. Flaherty tonight did not necessarily assert himself any more favorably into the conversation of that postseason rotation, just in terms of the effectiveness that he's had. A little bit of a tough outing following up an outing in his last one that was kind of tough, where he, remember back on the 10th of September in Pittsburgh, didn't strike out a single batter in five innings of work when he walked four and gave up the three runs on six hits. Tonight, a little better in terms of The walks that he allowed, only two, had some strikeouts. That's good. Goes from zero to tonight, five Ks. But kind of a regression in the runs department. Five innings, four runs, all of them earned. Six hits allowed once again. 
as Flaherty sort of goes the five-and-dive route where you're not able to get very deep into the game. In this particular case, you allow the four runs, and so you're not even really putting your team in a, a favorable position to win the game. They do end up coming back, but for Flaherty, I mean, the numbers are what they are. He hasn't had a ton of opportunities this season. This was only his sixth major league appearance of 2022. But the numbers are what they are right now. ERA of 5.09 for Flaherty. It just hasn't really been clicking for him. And I know Jim Edmonds on the television broadcast tonight said he he thinks this will be the outing that we look back on and say Flaherty found it and was able to kind of cling to some of the stuff that he found tonight and move forward from it. I didn't really see it that way. Uh, To me, it looked like the same old Flaherty in terms of like same old from 2022. And really, you could go back to last year and some of the outings that he had uh, when he was pitching around the injuries, he's really just not having the command of the strike zone that you want to see and the confidence going from inning to inning to say he can go one, two, three. He continues to just allow so many base runners and it's constant traffic pitching out of the stretch. It's just the flow of his outings have not been very favorable. It's just not what you want to see and not what you really are accustomed to seeing from Jack Flaherty circa 2019. 91 pitches through five innings. Again, the four runs. Didn't give up any home runs tonight, so that's a, a positive. But I, I, for me, it really, I didn't see anything different. I still would need to see more from Jack Flaherty in a subsequent outing before I'm ready to say, yeah, put him in that playoff rotation. And now, interestingly enough, you got Steven Matz that's about to rejoin the team, uh, not in the rotation. I think they, they did say he's going to pitch out of the bullpen, but that's another arm that's capable to give you some innings in the rotation if you were to need that. Uh, hopefully it doesn't come to that where... Flaherty doesn't need to be removed. Jose Quintana, Montgomery, those guys are are locked into their spots and pitch well, so you don't have to worry about any controversies there. But it's nice to have maybe the extra arm in mats because you don't necessarily know what you're going to get out of some of these guys recently. It just hasn't been as crisp from the rotation. But Flaherty, we know the upside, and so I think ultimately you'd like to see him pitch in a way over the next couple of outings before the end of the season. I think he could probably have, uh, look at the calendar, maybe two, three more. Between two and three starts for the Cardinals if he goes every fifth day. So I'd like to see more in those outings to inspire the confidence that you can go and throw him into an NLDS. For me, he's not going to be one of your first three starters, even if uh, Montgomery is not pitching well, like he had a bad start his last time out. I just don't think that you would rock the boat in that way with Flaherty having such a limited exposure. But I could be convinced if he has three more good starts the rest of the way, I, I shouldn't say more good ones because tonight wasn't a good one and neither was the last one. But if he turns the corner a little bit and starts to, again, it's just commanding pitches and not nibbling and biting around the zone so much where you're wasting pitches uh, and not maximizing the pitch count and finding ways to get. Because, I mean, if you're 91 after five, which, again, Wainwright was 98 after five the other day, that wasn't what he wanted. So it's not like Flaherty's the only guy struggling with efficiency right now on the rotation. But if you're 91 after five, you're not really getting through six very often. Like, they they might give a more seasoned guy the opportunity to go out there for the six, like Miles Michaelis. He can probably pitch to 110 pitches, and he can get through six innings in that kind of situation, but it's not ideal, and it doesn't really inspire a ton of confidence in a playoff series where the lineups are going to be better. Like, this was the Cincinnati Reds. It was not the Braves. It was not the Mets. It was not the Phillies. It was not the Padres. It was not the Brewers. Those are basically the five teams you're likely to see between the wild card series and then the subsequent NLDS right now, regardless of where the Cardinals end up, those are the names of the teams that you could potentially see. If And I may have missed the Mets. Mets, Braves, Phillies, Brewers, Padres. Those are the five that are that are eligible, essentially, based on where they are in the standings right now. 
their lineups are all going to be better than the Reds, and Jack Flaherty was unable to get much done against the Reds. Pirates was his previous outing. Not a great outing either. Couldn't strike one out and gave up two home runs in five innings. That's kind of where things are right now for Flaherty. Uh, his best start of the year, if you will, was the one against the Nationals when he came off of the injured list on September 5th, where he threw five innings, only gave up one run. He struck out six. Um, that was probably the one where you say, yeah, you feel good about it. Uh, the couple since then, not so much. So it's sort of a waiting game to see what Jack Flaherty does. Yeah, the main thing is health, I guess. I mean, not I guess. You do want him to be healthy. That's that's the bottom line. But from the Cardinals' perspective, he's only got one more year in St. Louis, and then he's out the door for free agency. So health and then effectiveness. You want to see both of those things as soon as you can see them because, hey, I'm not saying that it's impossible that you could line up a trade in the offseason. I know that Cardinals' Twitter, everybody's favorite thing that I see in the replies when Flaherty isn't doing so well is to say, trade partner, find a trade partner, get him out of here. Yeah, that just doesn't make sense to me because where his value is right now can't be very substantial. You're not gonna you're gonna be selling low on a player that has uh, the world of talent that that Jack Flaherty has, and so at this point you might as well just hold out and, and hope he can get healthy. Uh, whether it's over the next couple of games, not to say he's not healthy already, but he's not strong in in, in his rhythm. You hope all of that can happen in the off season to maybe have a productive 2023. I look at teams like the Dodgers and the Mets and the Braves. They've all got very deep starting rotations to where even beyond their fifth starter, you have a plan for what that's going to look like. If guys go down, you can never have too much pitching. And if the Cardinals are looking to win a World Series between now and 2023, uh, Jack Flaherty could be somebody that that helps toward that end. And uh, all you got to do is pay him whatever he'll get in arbitration after this season. I wouldn't really worry about a trade unless you're seeing like, a really good end of the season for him, and, and probably he would have to do something very loud in a positive way in the playoffs for nationally him to kind of get that recognition again. And then you go, oh, maybe a team in the offseason would really want to pay for a guy like that. And if the Cardinals feel like that would be the way to cash in on on the value of Jack Flaherty, then I wouldn't probably question it. But right now, it just is not really even something you can think about because he has not consistently pitched to the level that I would say, oh, you're making this trade and you're going to be able to do anything other than sell him very very low pennies on the dollar in terms of the value of Flaherty as a pitching asset and a performer uh, with the talent that he has so I don't necessarily think that's in the future but we'll have to wait and see what it ends up looking like for the Cardinals this offseason but hopefully before that we just see some really good outings from Flaherty Uh, to me to my eyes Friday was not necessarily one of them but nevertheless the Cardinals found a way to win this game and it started in the sixth inning, it was 4-1. to one. They had another day where I think coming into that sixth inning, it might have just been one hit. It was pretty bleak at that point, but they started to get it going and put it together after the game on Thursday. Again, three hits in that entire game. Offense was sputtering. Seemed to be the same situation until the sixth inning on Friday when the usual suspects came to play. And that's what it's all about. Dance with who brung you. And that's what the Cardinals offense was looking to do tonight. In the sixth inning, it was just like a switch flipped. All of a sudden, it was completely different from the offense that we'd seen previously, and the big boys got it done. Paul Goldsmith leads off the inning. First pitch, double, and he stung it. I thought maybe he was going to get all of that. It went over the head of Friedel, the left fielder, for a leadoff double. Nolan Arenado, first pitch, drives him in, base hit. All right, now you're cooking with something. Corey Dickerson was batting fifth tonight. I don't know, between Nolan Arenado and Albert Pujols, I guess I get it because it was, again, a right-handed pitcher on the mound, but they've been leaving Albert Pujols in the lineup for those situations, and tonight, well, we we found out why. 
because he's got the ability to go deep no matter who he's facing. And uh, it was really more of a bullpen game for the Reds, and I think the Cardinals knew that going in was likely going to be the case. So you figure it doesn't really matter. Albert could see a lefty. He could see a righty. We're going to put him in the lineup. And in the sixth inning, again, it's a big swing for Albert because it's 698. He's chasing history. It's a big swing for the Cardinals. That is what's so amazing about what Albert Pujols has been doing. I believe Alexa Datt in the interview post game said to Albert, five home runs, his last five, have all been in games, whether you're tying the game, taking the lead. It's a pivotal part in each of those games. He has been clutch in addition to just pure mashing. He's been doing it in situations where the Cardinals really needed it. And that's what's just remarkable. That's what you remember about Albert Pujols from 2001 to 2011. He was doing it always in those big moments. He would get he would get the the number accumulations in the games that he, you know it was ten to one, and then he hit a home run. Like those would happen too. To get to the numbers that he put up for eleven years in St. Louis, it's not always going to be in the big moments. But he had some clutch moments, and he's doing it again in twenty twenty two. It's truly like he turned back the clock. All this stupid speculation. You got Max Kellerman. I don't know if you guys saw this. He does one of the ESPN shows. And I used to think he, like maybe 10 years ago, had something meaningful to say. He's turned into a real blowhard. And maybe he always was that way. But just an embarrassment, what he said a few days ago on TV. He didn't say Albert Pujols is doing PEDs. But he said, wow, it's all of a sudden he seems to be hitting these home runs. And is he practicing harder? Who who could say? I don't know why he wasn't doing it the past 10 years in Los Angeles. Shut up. Has Max Kellerman watched a baseball game all year, like front to back, nine innings? I sincerely doubt it. So they find time to talk baseball on those talking head shows only when they have something stupid or ridiculous to say. Otherwise, they're just talking about the NBA offseason or the NFL, which is fine if you enjoy that stuff. But don't just like dive bomb in to talk about baseball when you're going to say something asinine. It's ridiculous. I'll try to climb down off of the soapbox there, but that, that was just obnoxious that I saw that earlier this week the insinuation by Max Kellerman that there's something outside the bounds going on with Albert here, the renaissance that he's had in 2022. It doesn't really take a rocket scientist to figure it out, honestly. Like, it is amazing, and it defies expectation and and logic, but it doesn't defy emotion. It doesn't defy the heart. And I got to tell you, like, there's got to be a part of Albert Pujols that for everything that was great about him going to Los Angeles, like the contract, the security for his family, all of those things, are wonderful, and we, as Cardinals fans, you might want to say, I, I don't view it that way. It hurt me, it upset me, and you're right for that. I remember 2011, and I just couldn't believe it. It felt surreal that Albert Pujols would not still be with the Cardinals. But there's a lot of good about that, but there's a lot of bad, too, for him. And I feel like even though you, you got that security and you got the contract and, and you got paid what you were deserving of, like he was the greatest first 11 years that anybody's ever had in the sport, and had the chance to cash in on that and did. But there's always got to be a part of you that looks back and goes, man, wouldn't it have been nice to be, like, you know, he gets to come in 2019, come back with the Angels and see the reception that he got. And, like, to think about that, to see Yachty getting the love that he's gotten in the twilight of his career from the fans and Wayno, and to kind of see that from afar and to, to occasionally come into St. Louis. He did it with the Dodgers last year, got to kind of, ignite that fire once again and to sort of realize, man, how cool would that have been for me to have that whole career and then finish up in St. Louis and get to do it all under that one uniform. There has to be a part of him that, that, that was weighing on him, you know, and I'm not saying that from having talked to Albert about it. I'm just 
I'm speculating like anybody would about the human emotion of it and the nature of of what that would look like for somebody that was in Albert's position and then left. But the beauty of it all is he got like the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to come back, and it was a perfect storm. That's why when we were doing B-Shape Daily in the offseason, as it started to become maybe more of a possibility, it was like, Cardinals, you have to do this. Like, if he wants to be there, you have to do it because the possibilities, it really did seem limitless for what could happen in a world where Albert Pujols was back in a Cardinals uniform. And hasn't it even defied your expectations or your wildest hopes and dreams of what it would look like in 2022? It has for me. Like, I remember being pumped when the Cardinals announced they were bringing him back, but not even I thought it was going to be this good. And it really has been that good. And we haven't even seen postseason baseball yet. And the Cardinals are going to be there, and Albert Pujols is going to be playing for them in the playoffs. Like, it's just nobody could have possibly anticipated it being as cool as it's been. And we all knew it was going to be cool. So that's what's so awesome about this situation. But, like, the emotion behind that, you don't think that drives a guy? You don't think the reception he got at the All-Star game and participating in the Home Run Derby, just sort of like letting go of all that that weight, that that burden that you carry, it's human nature to feel like, you know, what if? What if I had stayed? And you don't really get to have your cake and eat it too in life. Albert Poole has, has gotten to do that, and I I think it's awesome. I'm, I couldn't be happier for the way it's turned out. That, yeah, you know, there were situations where people were upset, but bygones are bygones, like – there's not, maybe there is one person, but I don't know many who aren't just thrilled with the way that this has played out. The, the grudges, if anybody held a grudge, that's long gone. Like, this is the storybook ending. This is the way it was supposed to be. And there's a very good chance that within the next couple of days, it's going to get even better. But that's my explanation for Albert Pujols doing what he's doing right now. It's not PEDs. Give me a break. Like, the guy has always had this within him. And. He put himself into better shape for the 2022 season. Wanted to prove to the Cardinals that he could be a contributor. He had a so-so first half of the season. Kind of what I expected. You know, OPS was around 700 or so. Like, he wasn't the worst hitter in the league. He was going to give you some pop. He was going to give you some moments. But, man, something really clicked at that All-Star game, I think, for him. And he just has been playing with reckless abandon. But, like, he's a man on a mission, too. Like, you can see it in his eyes. I love the call from Jim Edmonds tonight. He said the previous at bat, Albert struck out, and that's still something that Albert Pujols just does not do a lot. He will go down at the end of his career. He will never have had a season of 100 strikeouts. Every season of his career will be below 100 because he's he's not going to get enough plate appearances this year, I don't think, to to get there. And, and prior to the season, he never had. So to strike out in the game as he did tonight and then come back a couple of innings later, Edmonds said something about that look. Like, he's saying this as Albert's walking up to the plate there in the sixth. He said something about that look. I, I you know, I, I noticed. And uh, that's all that he needed to say to indicate that, yep, Albert was, he, he knew what he did. He knew what he saw. He knew what he needed to do. And in the next at-bat, he comes up with it. Launches one to left. Tie game, four to four. Bush is going wild. And everybody's making weekend plans to get to downtown St. Louis because you might see something. You might see some history. Now, in the top of the seventh inning, Carlos Bullpen gives it up a little bit. Uh, home run off of JoJo Romero, who has been so-so. He's been fine. Um, not what you wanted from his outing tonight. Overall, the ERA on the season's five, but I think that includes prior to him coming to the Cardinals, he had gotten roughed up a little bit in like an inning. He gave up a bunch of runs. So he's been ERA in the fours probably since he came to St. Louis. Gave up that home run, though, in the seventh, which meant the Cardinals had more work to do. And you got to love that in the bottom of the seventh, 
they strike right back. Like that's that's the vibes I'm talking about. You give up that run in the top of the seventh after the emotions of the sixth, where it's Albert that does it, that caps that rally. You come right back in the seventh inning, and there's Paul Goldschmidt coming up in the middle of a situation, making it happen again. RBI double, two doubles after the tweet that I sent where I said, yeah, Goldie's just not quite seeing the ball right now. And then he immediately proceeded to double in his next two at-bats. Arnado doubles as well to score Goldie. And you've got a 6-5 to five lead. I mean, crazy stuff for the Cardinals. And then to finish it off, how about Ryan Helsley? I mean, just when you thought you'd seen enough history for the night and everybody was saying, all right, well, Saturday's going to be fun. Albert V. Mike Miner, is he going to get to 699, maybe 700? Who could know? And then you see more history from the Hell's Bells contingent. Ryan Helsley, an immaculate inning in the ninth inning, striking out the side on nine pitches. It's an immaculate inning. It's only happened 110 times in Major League Baseball history. And if the website I had looked up that said before tonight it was 99, or it actually said it, 99 pitchers have done it 109 times. So a couple guys, you know, 10 guys or so may have done it multiple times, whatever it was. That would make Helsley the 100th pitcher in Major League Baseball to throw an immaculate inning. So that's something that's not very common. I mean, Major League Baseball has been around a while. It's been around for a minute. 110 times in the history of the game, and Ryan Helsley does it tonight. What a wonderful achievement for a season that has just been so fantastic for Helsley. Uh, I think it's the entrance music, man. I think they're really kicking that that entrance uh, WWE style up for Ryan Helsley, and it's helping. He was nasty, though, tonight. Strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. Three pitches to each batter, an immaculate inning. Really cool. Uh, The vibes are there, guys. The vibes are there, and the Cardinals are putting themselves in a good spot. Listen, I know there are some other good teams in the National League, and they're going to have to face them when you get to October. And we'll talk about that. We'll dissect that when the time comes. But right now, I think this weekend is about riding the vibe, as uh, my good buddy uh, C. William Gardner would say. Ride the vibe. And you've got two games, potentially two days, three games, I should say, potentially, where Albert Pujols could do some things that may never be done again in Major League Baseball history. Like, we may never see another 700 home run hitter in baseball. You look at the active list right now, it's not promising. Not guys doing what Albert Pujols has done, the longevity of it. It's it's remarkable. And he's at 698, two away from joining Babe Ruth, Hank Aaron, Barry Bonds. I mean, that is... A hell of a list. It'd be so cool to see him do it at Bush. Like I said, I think he's going to do it by Sunday. I, You can check the tape. You can go back to last week. After that last homer in Pittsburgh, I said it's going to happen. I was getting a little bit, you know, kind of pulling at my collar going, all right, Albert, it's getting late in the week. We haven't seen anything. He's just got a flair for the dramatic. Uh, it's going to be fun. Saturday is going to be fun at Bush. So I'm going to find a way to get myself down there and uh, we'll see what we see. You know, so if you're listening to Be Shape Daily, hit me up if you're at the ballpark tomorrow. Maybe I'll get a chance to say hello. Um, Well, I'll be there trying to witness some history. I mean, it's really cool to see what's going on right now. And like I said, this weekend, it really does feel like it's about that chase. Albert is going to be the main attraction. There are things you got to pay attention to as well. You want to make sure the Cardinals are still keeping that, uh, that leading division where it needs to be, getting that magic number whittled down. But I feel like that's just gonna that's just gonna be part of the situation. I, I do want to mention though, Goldschmidt in particular. It was nice to see him bounce back. Uh, he's starting to come out of it a little bit. A um, couple of doubles tonight. We'll see what ends up happening tomorrow. I, I still think he's got to be the MVP of the league. 
the OPS still over 1,000 for Goldie. And in the middle of this game, when he was still slumping because he had the two doubles late, I looked it up. His OPS was at 10-11 or 10-12, and 9-29 was Freddie Freeman. Like, again, almost 100 points behind, even still to this moment. And now Goldie's back up to 10-19 with a couple of doubles. So I, I, there's just no doubt the guy's got to be the MVP. I just didn't want to see a situation where you get too late into the season and the, the voters can look at, oh, he's batting 140 for September. That's not good. That's not my MVP. Uh, he's he's slowly finding a way to make sure he avoids those situations, I think. I'm not saying it's going to be unanimous, but it should be pretty well in the bag for Goldie at this point. The, I mean, it's just look at the numbers. I don't really know what else you want to see. Paul Goldsmith's done it. And defensively, he should win the gold glove too. He's been amazing in this season for the Cardinals. And it was just cool to see for him because it feels like that could be, and he's not the kind of guy that would, would ever say, you know, personal achievements. I couldn't give a rip. I want to win the World Series. I want to do it for the team. But, like, he deserves, as such a humble player that he is, he deserves this honor. His season has merited that he deserves this honor, and it would just be a shame to see it kind of go by the wayside in, in the latter part of the season. Um, tonight helped. Two for four with two doubles and two runs scored with an RBI. Uh, certainly helped for Paul Goldschmidt. Nolan Arenado sitting right there below 300 with a 299-912 OPS. I don't want to overlook what he did tonight with a two for four, a couple of runs driven in as well. Get those guys in the middle of the order going. I mean, between Goldie, Arenado, and Albert, who's got the uh, 865 OPS, those three guys tonight, five for 12, four runs scored, four, uh, five RBIs, I should say, and obviously the one big swing by Albert. So these guys are the engine. See how long they can keep this sucker going and uh, see what happens this weekend. That's going to do it, though, for this edition of the show. I really do need to get to bed because it's a doubleheader. going to be a long day tomorrow, and it's uh, 1.23 a.m. right now as I wrap this thing up. So I do appreciate you guys so much. Hit me up on Twitter. Let me know what you think about all this. Like, it is wild. Um, tell your friends about B-Shape Daily. We're going to be talking everything that goes on with this team the rest of the way. So we're going to have a lot of fun doing it. Thank you guys so much for joining me. We'll talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily. Peace. Folks, I got to do one more thing, and this is something I've never done, but Given the circumstances, I just don't want to go back in and re-edit this episode. So I'm recording a little bit of an addendum at the end of B-Shape Daily for Friday slash Saturday morning because I was getting ready for bed and I remembered something that I absolutely needed to talk about and I didn't say anything about it in the show and I would not be able to forgive myself if I literally didn't mention it. Nolan Arenado made maybe the best defensive play I've ever seen on Friday night. Unbelievable the dive to his right and the throw home that he made to get it to the catcher in time to nab the runner at the plate. I've never seen a play that good. I don't, I mean, it was, he's made a lot of good plays, but this one was, this one was different. I mean, the dive and the throw, and then to be able to basically just hop up and get enough leverage under his body to throw it with some mustard behind it and not hit the runner in the head and give Andrew Kisner a chance to catch it and to do all that without even a moment to think about it. He, I mean, it, I've never seen anything like it, guys. I keep watching it over and over in slow motion, and it was beautiful. If you didn't, if you didn't see the game, if you were listening on the radio or you just catch up with B Shape Daily, I implore you to go to Twitter, Twitter search Arenado, and you will find it. I, over and over, I keep watching this play, and it was incredible. I want to give Nolan his due for his defense because this one, of all the plays he's ever made, this one maybe, this one might have topped the list. So that really is the end of B-Shape Daily. We'll talk to you guys next time. 
Appreciate y'all. Peace.